Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. The more you try and the more attempts that you make, the more success that you're gonna have. And getting rid of the weaker jokes opens up slots for the stronger jokes to appear as well. Yeah, and it's also, there's a thing too, like I, I really wanna talk about this. It's like, okay, well if you really wanna talk about it, you've gotta find the jokes in there. You can't talk about something I understand people really want to talk about stuff, but you, it's got to be strong enough to be in your act. Like, it can't be weak. It's like, yeah, this isn't a TED Talk, dude. This is a, like, right. you need laughs in there and either talk about it effectively or get rid of it. Hot breath. Welcome back, Hot breath Averse. This is the Hot Breath Podcast, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. And you know... What time it is. Hot breath. <sighs> this is Hot Breath episode number 194. I am so excited to have you all here, Hot Brethren and Sistren. Thank you to everyone that reached out about last week's episode with Noah Garden Schwartz. So many comedy writing gems shared in that episode and this one I gotta say a lot of comedy gems as well my guest today is a 20-year comedy veteran if you haven't seen him perform you have definitely heard his name he is one of the most highly respected comedians in the game and one of the funniest I was able to see him perform live while he was here in Atlanta before I interviewed him and just we harp on this in the episode, and you've heard other comedians on here like Lunell and several others really express this, but go watch comedy. If there's headliners in your town, go study these comedians. You learn so much just from watching. So getting on stage is very important, but also studying professionals like my guest today, so very important. So if you do enjoy this episode, you found some of his tips helpful, Reach out to him directly on social media. Let him know you enjoyed his episode and reach out with any questions. He's a very nice guy and he does a very nice interview. So very nice. Thank you to everyone that has been joining the Patreon as well. I've just, it's all linked in the show notes if you'd like to join and support the show. But thank you all who have been really helping this community grow at the speed it's been growing over on the Patreon. I'm just giving away some special merch discount codes, set reviews, even a trophy husband koozie or two. So just go over to patreon.com slash hotbreathpod. Check out all we have going on over there. Live Q&As. There's just there's a lot of additional content and ways for us to connect directly on there. And you get some cool free stuff. So just like this episode, they always remain free. So if you enjoy how free everything is, going over to the Patreon, that's a nice tip jar to support the podcast. But let's get into it. Today, Hopper episode number 194. Here we go. As there is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath. <sighs> You ready for this, sir? With yeah, Mike? Frame, yeah. It looks like Vecchione. All right. Nah. Here we go. Hot breath averse. Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast. This is your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our guest today, not only a master of comedy writing, but also a master of the discipline it requires to become a professional comedian. This guy started comedy way back in 2000. With a master's of special ed, he was also teaching while pursuing stand-up comedy. Three years into his comedy career, cashes in his retirement, moves to New York. The rest is history. His whole journey has taken him from doing, uh, I believe it was bag puppet jokes yes. to fill time, to now doing things like uh, just Jay Leno, Comedy Central Half Hour Special, Jimmy Fallon, his own podcast, No Disrespect, and now... The Hot Breath Podcast. Yeah, it's big. It's a big... I really appreciate you doing your research, Joel, yeah, for this. Yeah, um, 
for this. And uh, I feel like as you should, if can you dub Rocky music in the background of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can add and that. And then uh, get me in a towel <laughs> later, and then um, maybe doing some push-ups. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, well, welcome aboard. I know you like to work out too, so thanks for. Taking yeah, I worked time. out today, and then um, you were like, "Let's do this in the lobby." I'm like, "Why don't you just come up to the room?" It's very romantic. You know? Yeah, I think the last person. I had in a room. It may have been Andrew Schultz or um, Nick Griffin. We did his. Wouldn't trust either before. of those guys. <laughs> Wouldn't trust either of them. <laughs> All New York hustlers. Yeah, you know that's that's where yes. you kind of cut your teeth is in that that gritty New York scene. Well, what did those guys have to say? Because I'll go the exact opposite of everything that they said. Every every ounce of advice they give i'm doing the opposite yeah, work you, hard write jokes don't work at all it'll come to you when you get on stage that's your no. secret the stage that's, that no that's i do the opposite i prepare jokes and try them yeah you're very yeah. meticulous that's yes. why i'm such a fan of you is because you are one of these craftsmen that is like particular it seems about word choice and the the arc of a joke and you're you're really mindful about like the craft behind stand up Right, because I don't want to go up there and, I don't know, my, my thing is to go up there with a plan okay. and then, and then um, put it on tape or evaluate it and then try to keep working the joke until it, until it comes. So you, and then if it's not funny enough, like maybe uh, lose it or come back to it, you know, it's all, a, it's all a process. But if it's not funny enough, like you can't keep it, even if you really like it, you know. How many times will you try it before you have to scrap it? If I really like it, I'll try it and, I, and then I'll talk about it with somebody. I'll be like, look, this, I think this is funny. This is not working. And they'll be like, well, maybe adjust this or adjust that or try this or try that. And then I'll try it. And then chances are it'll probably work with it with, while making a, some adjustments to it. There's something funny there. Our instincts are very rarely wrong. It's like, mm. you know, there's something very funny here and it's not working. Then it's like, okay, you need to either set it up differently or something word positioning. It needs to be a little, di or frame it in a, in a different way. But, uh, yeah, you need to keep working it. So you should never back off your instinct if you're like, this is funny. Then, yeah. And it's not working, then just keep working it. I haven't heard someone say that before, where they'll, they'll try it on stage. Oh, Andrew and Nick didn't cover that? <laughs> Guess this is the best one, everybody. This is already and the best one. And then you should one. ignore the others. Exactly. But then go back and like but and then subscribe. Then go back and like them. They're my dear friends, both that. those guys. And very dear talented, friends. Both of them. They're unbelievable. So when you're when a joke isn't working, you actually workshopping it off stage with with someone in conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, like I should do it. Technique. I should do that more than I do it. But yeah, that it, well, it actually pieces of advice that's like this does work, but I don't do it enough. I don't do it enough. Yeah. The two things I don't do enough are listening to tape back mm. and making the corrections, and. The other thing I don't do is I do it, but I don't do it enough. Is talk it out with a with another comic, like yeah. off stage. You just off stage, what do you yeah. think of this? And then they're mm -hmm. like, "What do you think of this?" And then back and forth. It really does help. So what what do you normally do? How do you normally work out jokes? I'll just um, for a while I was journaling because I I felt like my act. I started to feel like a joke machine for a while. Like oh, just joke, 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 and nothing was that personal, and. Uh, and so I started journaling in order to correct that. Now, since then, I was like, okay, now I have deeply personal stuff that I'm trying to make a joke. So now it's like focus on tweaking it into a joke. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. So free writing in a journal is, is good to make things more personal. Mm -hmm. But also then, then you know, m minimizing it and working on the jokes is important too. Not getting too, like, big with, uh, you know, just like a narrative. It's like, okay... None of this is, some of this is getting some laughs, but it's not funny enough. Like, it's not funny enough. So it's like, okay, now I have to go back and look at each detail and see if I can get a joke out of each thing. So to really focus on it. You know, what do you mean not I'm, getting too big with the narrative? Well, some people, like, you want to, the guys I really like, even if they're storytellers, like, they have it punched up all the way through. Yeah. Like, they're hitting, you know. There's not this long setup and to a payoff like it's punched up all the way through so if you have a story like that and you like oh this is a good there's something good here then it's about going back and then finding the jokes within the story and then and then you know having to lose stuff if it's like oh this isn't good this isn't working um this isn't funny enough 
I think we some people like we hesitate to do that sometimes because we're like, no, 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 this is fun. It's like it's just not funny enough. I can't keep it, you know. So it's it hurts to do that sometimes because you're like, no, 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 this is funny. You'll you'll fight yourself. You'll defend it. But at the end of the day, after enough times of it getting a soft laugh, <laughs> yeah. you're like, this is not funny enough, and it's not necessary for the joke. I'm just used to saying it. You know what I mean? My mind is conditioned to saying it, and that's why I have this attachment to it. But it's not necessary, and it's not helping. Do you find what can help with editing is to, like, revisit the premise of the joke? Like, okay, what am I trying to say here? And that can help you to kind of trim off those soft laughs? It's not so much what you're trying to say. It's, it's you know what you're trying to say. But it's like, is it is it working? Is mm-hmm. it hitting? So it's maybe it's like, Oh, maybe the punchline, this is too harsh. Maybe I need to frame it differently. Frame it in, in terms of, like, softening it, you know? Like, if you're going to tell a pedophile joke, I'm telling a pedophile joke, you soften it by saying, pedophilia is not funny, guys, but jokes about pedophilia. Some That's jokes sad. about pedophilia are funny, mm-hmm. and I'm going to attempt that now. Or, you know what I mean? Like, something like, I don't know, because it's a topic where if you just rip into it, people are going to be like, ah! Right. You know, but, but if you... And they still might do that, but at least like you're framing it a little bit and softening it, but you're doing it in a funny, clever way where it's like you could still get into the joke and you're kind of bracing them for it a little bit, you know? When, when you're exploring a topic, do you have a percentage like over your years of experience, is there like a certain amount of jokes you have to try and then you end, like one out of 20 you end up keeping or is there like a... It's something like that. It's, it's like, a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a ratio. It's like the more you throw the more the higher percentage you're gonna you're gonna keep yeah and that's just anything you know that's like that's just the way it is like the more you try and the more attempts that you make the more success that you're gonna have and getting rid of the weaker jokes opens up slots for the stronger jokes to appear as well yeah and it's also there's a thing too like i i really want to talk about this it's like okay well if you really want to talk about it you've got to find the jokes in there you can't talk about something i understand people really want to talk about stuff but you it's got to be strong enough to be in your act. Like, it can't be weak. Or maybe it can be, and then you work it into something strong. But you can't just leave it weak and go, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. It's like, yeah, this isn't a TED Talk, dude. This is a, like, right. you need laughs in there and either talk about it effectively or get rid of it. I have, um doing that now, I have a bed bug. I'm trying to talk about bed bugs because I had them, and it really was a major influence on my life because it ruined... It ruined me for a while. That was really. like right when you moved to New York, wasn't it? No, nah, no. Nah, I was, uh, I had just, I was about, I had to give up my apartment. I was about uh, seven years into oh, my neighborhood. I had okay. to give up my apartment because of it, but I was attacked and then I would get an exterminator would come and exterminate. And then I thought I was safe. I put everything back. You'd have to, you have to clean everything, oh, push yeah. everything to the center of the room, wrap it in plastic. It's really a crazy process. Do you still leave stuff in your bathtub when you're in hotels? Yeah, I mean, I have nothing close to my bed. I have <laughs> underwear laid out there where I'll sleep in that, and then I'll wrap it in plastic at the end of the trip and bring it home and wash it immediately. It won't take it out of plastic. Like, it's made a profound, uh, yeah, yeah. a profound effect on my life. So, well, anyway, my point is I have one good bed bug joke, and it's like I have other ideas for jokes, but nothing is strong enough to to take right now so mm-hmm. it, it's like okay what's the next thing you know it's like keep coming with it but you know i could keep trying but right now the reality of it is i only have one good joke so yeah. how do you start to add more jokes around a single topic what's um the process? what's you know there's a lot of stuff that happened during that time exterminators coming exterminators going my relationship with my landlord um the bed bugs themselves attacking me and uh, the way that they procreate it's called traumatic insemination the male bed it's really something the male bed bug jams his penis into the female bed bug's stomach and that's how he gets her pregnant and she has a vagina there's no reason he can't just have sex with her vagina but he doesn't he just puts it in her stomach and then the the the, it's not funny no that's not funny and i'll (laughs) tell you what's that's not even the worst thing the worst thing is a male bed bug will penetrate an, another male bed bug's stomach and shoot his sperm into the other male bed bug. Then the other male bed bug will have sex with a female bed bug and get her pregnant with the rapist bed bug's sperm. So that's what I'm dealing with. Wow, I know why it's so traumatic now. It's traumatic insemination. <laughs> All those late night Google sessions learning that stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> they are not good uh, insects. They're not good. 
So to get back to the joke about this traumatic experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, the exterminator, the bed bug dog, like mm-hmm. these are all angles where it's like there's a joke here, there's a joke. You could see that there's jokes there. I just haven't uncovered them yet. So it's like a process. And the reality of it is I have one good joke. So it's like, okay, let's build from there. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to deceive myself. It's like, I guess I could have five average jokes and one good joke, but that's yeah. not helping me at all. You exactly. Know? So. Yeah, I, I talked to Ian Edwards on here, and he was talking about growing a one-liner into like a fully yeah. functioning bit. Yeah, that's and great. his process is like doing a lot of research. So if he does have, like you just said, all those details right. about like the, the stomach and all that. Right. Well, there's research, and it's also my personal experience, experience like yeah. flipping out. Like I was trying to meditate through this whole thing. It's like... I just started meditation at the time. It's like that's oh you know, and then you're getting bit, and then they attack one person uh, out of a out of an apartment full of people that they could attack. So you feel singled out. It's just you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of material there. Mm-hmm. So I just haven't I haven't got it yet. So, but it's something that's the process. You keep working. You keep asking questions, and then and then you might have something from left field that you can attach to. Oh, this has nothing. I didn't think this had anything to do with bedbugs but it does it has something to do with what i'm talking about so then you can connect it yeah i'm i'm starting to find that i've been doing this a little over nine years and i'm i'm at a point where i i've been i mean i'm a laugh whore i want like laugh 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 right but it is at a point to where it's like okay they're laughing but they're not connecting in terms of there it's it's laughter but it's not like memorable they don't come up after it's like that's just like my dad right, or whatever. Right, right. so i'm now starting to be more mindful about injecting my personal experience right. into whatever it yeah. is. But and that, that takes longer. Yeah. Well, that's the m- maneuver I made from one album to the other album. The first album was like a joke. I need a joke here. I need a joke here. I need a joke on this topic. And the, uh, the next album was like, no, nah, this is going to be more personal because that matters. That makes a difference. The personal. Know? I think it does. You know what I mean? Like if somebody can connect to you and you could take an experience that we all have and you could make that funny you know, feelings that we, we have this basically the same feelings towards things we all experience, anger, happiness, love, you know, and if you could take that and put it in different situations that we all experience and mm-hmm. make it relatable, yeah, that's better than telling a joke that's just kind of a standalone, uh, innocuous joke, yeah. It's probably how you build a fan base, too, because they're more invested in you as right. a person as opposed to just, like, a talking funny man. Right. Or woman. Or a, yeah, like a joke Whatever. machine. Yeah. Yeah, I was feeling like a joke machine for a while. It's like, oh, this is you have this skill's good, you know, it's good to have this skill, but it's like now there's no reason you can't take that skill and apply it in a more personal way. Mm-hmm. You know, and that takes up a little bit of loosening up your process a little bit. Maybe you're free writing more than tweeting. You know gotcha. what I mean? Like a podcast helped me because it helped me it helped me talk about some of these issues in a free way, you know, and uh just to yammer on about them and that actually does help. You know, yeah, I know guys who do a podcast and they cover topics on their podcast and that's how they write basically by just doing the topics first on their podcast and then and then uh, and then working those topics and in, uh, into the stage. You know? And it's more in your voice because it was kind of conceived in your right, voice. Right. It's more of a loose. Whereas like writing a joke, just sitting down and writing a joke, which is what I used to do yeah. to sit down and turn out jokes. It's like not it doesn't come off as organic as organic. You could take the idea and then, you know, if you play with it verbally, it helps. But would you say it's important for comedians starting out to first understand how to create a joke, like sit down and create jokes. And then once you've accomplished that skill set, then you can start to apply it. But it seems like a lot of people are trying to microwave their material now in terms of like, I'll just get up there with attitude and I'll just get by. But it's like, I mean, there's got to be writing in there. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, when you're starting out, you're still trying to find your voice and still trying to find your way. So I won't criticize any anybody trying to do that. Of course. But uh, but yeah, content is important. And uh, we all, you know, maybe the audience doesn't know, but um, we all know. The comics know. Anybody watching you knows who who knows comedy. Mm-hmm. Even a comedy fan, the waitresses, people who see you all the time, they know all of our. They know they can see through all of our bullshit. So it's important to like, you know, keep it to a minimal and try to try to have content. You're trying to go up there and uh, 
with jokes and you're trying to go up there and say something, you're not just going up there with attitude, you know? Yes. I mean, I'm not, some people do that. I'm just, I don't happen to be a big fan of that. I happen to be more of a fan of what the person is actually saying content wise. It, or is, do they have a skill set? You know, we can all kind of tell each other skill set on stage. You know what I mean? I can, can see somebody and be like, oh, that person has a high skill set or that person mm. is good. Like, it's like they're this meant, you know, they're developing and they're, they're good, but they have something. We can all kind of see that. So you want to be one of those people where it's like, and you can go up there with attitude. You can go up there with charisma and all that. So I'm not, I'm not saying, you, but it's better if you go up there with all that charisma and attitude and have content and a skill set of joke writing to go with it. Yeah. Better. And I don't think like this is how you should do stand up. Some people start with the writing and then grow in the performing. Right. Some people start with the performing and yes. then the writing. Like I'm by no means like this is how you do yeah. it. But it I have found I started out with one liners and that kinda helped me to start thinking funny yes. and exercising my funny brain. Yeah. And now it's growing into more of a, like an organic delivery. Yeah. But that's just that was just from personal experience. Yeah, I was a. Uh, you're right about that because some guys have like attitude and charisma, and then the jokes come second, and so they grow into the jokes. Mm-hmm. And some guys are joke guys, and they have to grow into the performance aspect. I was a joke guy growing into a performance aspect. Of yeah, it. but I gotta say, like now, like even in my development now, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the performance aspect of it much more because I'm let, starting to let it go and starting to have fun. So if you're going that route from jokes to performance, it's like it's important to realize that. This is supposed to be fun. Yes. And go out <laughs> yes. there and you're already you already have the jokes. So just go up there and have I find if you're having fun with yourself up there and you you are playful with the audience, your joke writing will come off much better. You know. Watching watching you live this weekend, like when you're talking about you watch someone and you're like, "Oh, okay, there there's a a strong skill set they have." Like this was a late show. The, it wasn't the best audience in terms of response, but one of my favorite things is to watch a strong comedian build an audience to them and right. not go out and grab them. Right. And you, you were so patient and so consistent and so persistent in your delivery, and you didn't falter, and you didn't break out of it and be like, well, right, guys, we're all here. Right. I mean, you... You literally, you just stuck to your rhythm and you stuck to your material and you just stayed in your pace. And over time, the audience almost just started to kind of like pulse to your beat. And right. then by the end, there's applause breaks. Yeah. Where at the beginning, it was slow and steady. Yeah. And then it crescendos into, oh, you got them. That's skill, man. Well, yeah, if you're not a named act, first of all, they don't, and, it, and it's not, it's just kind of like a scatterbrained audience like we had on The Late Show. They don't trust you. First of all, because they don't know you, mm-hmm. so it's like you have to gain trust that you're funny. And then, yeah, I find with that crowd, that that specific crowd, and there's a lot of crowds like that. You going out and doing like they'll derail you. If you give them too much power, they'll derail you. So because they're not, a lot of them are not comedy fans. A lot of them are disinterested in what's happening. A lot of them are not going to get what you're doing anyway. But you still have to try. You can't shit on them too much and be like, "You're no good." You that. that it's no I mean maybe once to smack them into line but after that it's like it you're not helping yourself any by by downing them it just Mm -hmm. it it, because the people who are watching and listening and there were some people in that crowd um it it makes them feel like what what am I doing here you know what I mean if this sucks if everybody if you know if this sucks so it's like you just keep you keep coming and you keep trying to bring them in but you don't pander and you don't give them the power like you lead them mm. you know you lead them and, that, and that's a thing that you learn from um working working audiences like that you know audiences where it's like some people are comedy fans some people you're fans some people are comedy fans and some people have went out on a date night and got it all got got it completely wrong what they were signing up for so you have to deal with all that in a mix and um and the way to do that is in, in that specific crowd was to keep beating your drum and do it in a positive way, but yeah. don't give them the power because they don't—they're the audience. They don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Keep, don't give them the power. Like lead them into what's funny. What, what's your mindset at the beginning of that set when you you do a couple jokes and it's kind of like, 
ah, okay. Like, is it like uh, one of these or it's like, no, I'm going to get them. Like, what is your mindset of like, okay, I'm going to have to go like 12 rounds on this? Well, it helps because uh, I watch the openers with them mm. and I watch them. The openers were very good. They're very good. They're good comics. So I was watching them respond to the openers and I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be an uphill fight. I know this is going to be tough. Uh -huh. So I already know it going up when, when it's a situation where it's a host and the feature and then me. I already can watch and know that it's going to be a, a dog fight. So n that helps because it's like, okay, I know it's none of us. It's them. But that be that as it may, I still have to go do my time. So I'm going to go. And, and there's a challenge to it, too. It's like, I think I can. Let me, let me exercise that muscle and let me see if I can get them, bring them in effectively. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to be a standing ovation at the end, but I'm going to do the best I can to work them and work them and work them. And it just takes persistence over time. And um, that's the best way to deal with that audience. That's not an ideal situation, but yeah. it's a good skill set to have because I know guys who are really good joke writers, but that skill set has eluded them. I don't know. You know, everybody has different, comes up differently. So... When you have people late and they're drunk and they're not listening to your great jokes and they can't appreciate your great jokes, you need another level of uh, skill to, in order to like bring, keep bringing them in and then keep hitting them with jokes and keep bringing them in and keep hitting them, keep like hit, beating your own drum in that way. So, and what do you mean like bringing them in in terms? Because you would almost have moments you're like, all right, 15 minutes in, we're getting there. Is that yeah. like a technique of like, I'm starting to bring them in? Is that what you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we're working, guys. It's great. We're going to yeah. get, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. talking to them, talking them into it. And um, and and you keep keep working them. And and, and that way, because there's people who paid and are interested and, and, and are laughing. So you don't want to give it, you don't want to give the set over to the people who made a mistake by coming there or like Boom. are not comedy fans you know what i mean you're gonna lose them anyway so it's a might as well like it's fine but you want to you want to make sure the people who came to see you or came to see a comedy show and are into it get what they came for yes. if you just give it over to the dum-dums then they hijack the show and you're giving them the power to hijack the show and the people who really came to see you are like this is this is what you do on a in a live performance uh you know it was and it's not that's not totally fault. You you walked into a bad, you know, not a bad situation, but a situation we all walk into, a tough situation. And, you know, but you have to handle it so that the people who came to see you are are actually seeing you. And seeing you, what you do. You mentioned that even after the show when we were talking is like I was I was impressed with how you like worked them in into your rhythm and you were and you even mentioned you're like, Well, I knew like the this couple here was into it and then like over here like you pointed out everyone that you had from the beginning right and then from you just kept focusing on them almost and it just kind of spread right. through the audience and then the people who weren't there were two women who weren't into it at all and they were interrupting like the earlier acts and they kind of like peeled off like one went to the bathroom for a long time then the other one came then the other one so they had no one to talk to and that was because they kind of got disinterested mm -hmm. in what was happening and and these ladies there was a group of ladies in the middle who who were disinterested also I could see it in their faces so they kind of went to the bathroom and came, like they lost interest in what was happening and that's fine as long as they're not the disturbance they lo they lost complete interest because then it opens it up for the people who were really paying attention there were people there who were paying attention or way into it so yeah that's great yeah it's good so when you're when you're developing this skill uh, bombing is a huge part of this and a question I ask every comedian on here is like an epic booze story or just a, a show they'll never forget that just went completely off the rails. So what is, what is yours that you have? It's not so much bombing. It's just a mistake. I've made the mistake before of, um, of, of, of being in that same situation Friday night and having those people attempt to hijack the show and catering to them hmm. because I didn't want, uh, an ugly confrontation or I didn't want, uh, I, w I didn't know how to do what I did Friday night. I wasn't experienced enough to do what I did. So, so I, I gave, I'm just looking for laughs. So I just, I kind of like, they were willing to interject. So I would just go back and forth with them and, and let them hijack the show. And that's, so not, it's not bombing, but it's a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. It's a mistake. So I've made that mistake uh, before. And afterwards, I'll be like, yeah, that didn't... F- I shouldn't be letting that happen. You know, I shouldn't be letting them hijack the show and turn it into their thing because I'm not a dancing monkey for them. So, but it's like, okay, how could I have done this better? How could I have done this differently? You know, when that, when that happens again, how can I steer the show? And then if it comes to them getting thrown out, then they get thrown out. Then, then I'll, you know, once the awkwardness of them getting thrown out and they get thrown out, then I have to like reset and start again. And, and and build build back and it'll probably be better if they're if they're out mm-hmm. if they're out of the room but it's not so much bombing it's it's making this making the mistake of uh, of letting people who are not interested in the show hijack the show yeah and uh, and then just to, just to just to get out just to get out of there with uh, um you know without bombing so. Well, you've, been, you've been doing this almost 20 years. Yeah. So what is... You said... That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming off the coffee. Yeah, I have. That was the anything <laughs> else, Joel? If there's anything else, let me know. That was the best reaction. <laughs> Drinking hotel coffee, Joel. You've been doing this 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Man, thanks for the reminder. Thanks, Joel. Did you, did you, what did you think, where'd you think your comedy career would be in 20 years? I, I actually thought I, yeah, I had a vision. Okay. I was going to move to New York and I would either be a huge success and be rich or I would be, I would bottom out and I would have to get a job. That's what I thought would happen. And I didn't never picture this weird in between phase where it's like you're working and you're making money and, uh, it's been a period of, but that. By no means happened overnight. That was years and years and years of climbing and, and scratching. But good things have happened. I've gotten TV credits and been on done stand up on TV and kept turning. But I, I just didn't know. I didn't see it. I thought it would be either success or failure. Success, I'm winning. Failure, I lost and I'll get out. That's what I thought it was going to be. But I didn't realize this in between phase where it's like you're going to have times where you're getting a lot and. People are really high on you, and then other times where people want nothing to do with you, and it's got a lot to do with what Hollywood, like, what the industry is looking for at the time, you know, and also your skill set, not just in stand-up, but, like, in other things, in acting and podcasting, it's like, how's your skill level, you know, but it has a lot to do also with what they're looking for at the time, but that shouldn't... What I've learned is you just keep beating it, just like in the set. Uh-huh. You keep beating your drum, you keep coming, you keep looking for ways to improve yourself, and that will separate you from the pack. Almost staying consistent in your career. Consistent, your- but it's very easy. I think I've said this on other podcasts in a sarcastic way, but it's real. It's very easy to become, because the business is not fair. Okay. So it's very easy to like feel cheated and to get bitter. And then to stop working the way that you should be working. So, and I understand it. I understand the feeling. But there's a thing where it's like you can't let that affect you. You can't let that overtake you. You can't let that dictate your daily practice. So even if nobody cares and nobody's going to give me anything and I'm in a gutter, like keep the practice, keep working, and figure out another way to rise oh uh this network doesn't want to give it to me this network doesn't want to give me anything it's like okay not the end of the world i'll do it this way i'll try this network i'll try this network and if those networks don't want it i'll put it on youtube uh i you know i had that with my album like nobody wanted to give me a special and i guess i could have shot a special myself i've had friends who did that and that was an option but i'm like no i'm gonna put it on a cd and then i'll go around to my friend's podcast and i'll i'll plug it and uh, promote it, and uh, I'll have all the material out. I'll have it all documented, and I won't go with a label. I'll go myself, and it worked out. It worked out great for me because now that is on Sirius XM, and it's being played, and not to mention the fact the most important thing was that it's documented. I have it. I have it down, and now let's move on to the next thing, and hmm. you know what I mean? And so it's easy to let... It, it's easy to get bitter in, in those situations, but um, you have to stay um, 
strong and consistent and believe in what you're doing. You know, it's 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 very hard sometimes though. I, it is, it is very hard. So I understand it. I understand why people do um, get bitter and get angry. Mm. And not to mention your album. I mean, it was it won album of the year for Sirius and uh, Vulture. Vulture, yeah, album of the year. Yes, and it's ninety minutes. By the yes. way, it's this. <laughs> this is a, a complete body of work. Yeah. yeah. What made you? What made you not want to go the special route and just do the audio? Was it to save money, or do you not see yeah. enough upside to investing that? In no, the, the upside was there. Video? If I had to do it over, maybe I would just. Maybe I would have taped it. Maybe I would have. I would have taped it and and then put it on YouTube. Right. And then and then released an album. I probably would have done that if I had to do it over, but um. I was like, where am I gonna, where am I gonna sell this? Um, what if nobody wants to buy it? What if I invest all this money and uh, I don't break even? Like, uh, uh, but what the what ifs. But the most important thing is that, uh, besides the money end of it, is uh, aside from the money end, I should say, is that it gets exposure. Like people are li- people listen to it. I don't want to do a special that no one watches. So. I think I did the right thing in terms of putting out an album because, you know, like a podcast, people can listen to it while they're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, the only if I had to do it over, I would have brought in a film crew to uh, I would have hired my own and I would have had it taped and then I would have put it out on YouTube. That's what I w- that's what I would have done different because the audio was good and the album has done well for me and people have listened to it anybody who's listened to it has been good feedback but um if i would have had the uh video to it then i would have both things available and it would have been worth the money i think it's just one more way for people to find you right right and and you know and then there's the option now of like I, i don't know how many people watch an hour anyway of somebody who's not famous so you take the hour and you you cut it up into clips and then you put that and you you plug the clips it's like there's all these different strategies on how to get seen well that's the andrew shoals model yeah andrew's great he's great at doing that pretty much paved the path for comics to just give them give them almost give it out like um like like he he modeled his after the music business where he's like you just release a single like yeah hit singles that's what he did with his jokes and now it's unbelievable and it's uh i really he's a friend of mine and uh but i really um like what he did. I like the fact that that's an example of a guy who was um, shut out of doing stand-up on television. Yeah. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I know I have something good here. And and he found another way. And there are other guys like that. And, and Andrew's like on the forefront of that. So I think all of us like admire that about him for sure. You know, it's so interesting to be sitting here as a comedian with with I mean with no credits sitting here like really just trying to build my own success right and a lot of us comedians we we see comedians like you we're like oh man he has a half hour on Comedy Central he's been on Jimmy Fallon and Conan he's done all this cool stuff and and you're still sitting here almost twenty years in you're like I'm still trying to figure it out yeah I'm like, still like, trying at to every figure it level out. yeah we think there's that we're all of a sudden going to wake up one day and have it figured out. But yeah. at every level, we're all just still trying to figure I it mean, out. I mean, you could have outward, outer levels of success, the, like a huge high level of outer success where the world recognizes you and goes, you are like unbelievable. You're, the, you're great. So you could have that. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, we're, I mean, me personally, I'm still trying to improve and get better and figure it out. Yeah. Are you working towards anything like specific? Are you big on goals? I know you have an athletic background, so I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to do more acting, and uh, mm-hmm. but I would like to do. Uh, I would like to write something other than stand up, whether it's a show or or or, or something. I would like to uh, take the skill set I have and apply it to something else, um, whether it's a web series or a show. I would like to, to try that, and um, but I, I'm more excited about like I think you know. I can just get better comedically, you know. First album was good. It's mostly um, a joke-based album. And then the, the second album was, I think, better, more personal, and, uh, like, more jokes. Mm-hmm. And I think I can evolve. Uh, I can evolve to be better, and that's exciting to me. Like, uh, And uh, taking the jokes and like, my stage presence, 
getting better with uh, my stage presence and and um, little things like slowing down or uh, like setting the joke up in a funnier way, like uh, uh, you know, and still but while still writing personal. That know. is something I've heard you say. Is you on stage? You focus on slowing down and smiling. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, just from watching your watching my sets, it's like sometimes I'll just like commit to it and and stay straight faced the entire time, and it's like that's it serves a purpose, but also like relaxing and laughing at your own. Uh, at your, I mean, it, it's not a scripted thing where you're you're I would laugh here, I'm gonna enjoy here. It's like, but just going up with a certain mindset, like I'm gonna have fun, like I'm gonna have fun no matter what, Ooh, like okay. I'm gonna have fun. With these jokes and the way I'm framing stuff, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have fun with it, you know. So, but that's, it's going up with that mindset, not with. The, I used to go up with a mindset like I'm gonna get these jokes out. I'm like, will the crowd like, will they not like me? I'm gonna win them over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna win them over with these jokes. Now I don't mm. have that mindset anymore. I go with the mindset like, I'm gonna have fun. I have the jokes. I'm gonna work the jokes, and I'm gonna. If you have fun, they'll have fun. And are you telling yourself this pre-show? Like, are you running through in your mind? Okay, I'm going to have fun with this. The audience is going to well, have fun. Well, I'm not like, that's part of it. It's like, if you're doing that, if you're like, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to have fun. Like, it's part of like, you're nullifying it by doing that. You're like, it's just a general attitude towards, I've, you know, but it's like, I've been headlining long enough now to be like, I know I have the time. I know that even if all my material was taken from me, I could crowd work my way into like, the time you know what i mean yeah. so it's like relaxing the the best times i have on stage is when i'm relaxing i have new material and i'm playing you're you're being playful with it so playful. i have a um wrestling background and uh i wasn't i i was good in high school but i was i got beat up in college a lot and uh penn state right yeah went to penn state yeah you're a legit wrestler yeah <laughs> like, well i mean i wrestled there for a year but i learned they have a top program now and um I was asking one of my friends who's a coach what they're doing differently because they're like the Iowa of the 80s now. They're like, they win a national championship every year. Oh, they just okay. keep putting out national championships. And I'm like, okay, it just it's, it's interesting to me what they're doing different than maybe an Iowa or an Iowa State or an Oklahoma State. Like, these are all top-tier programs. So how does Penn State separate itself? Or how do the New England uh, Patriots separate themselves, mm -hmm. you know? And um, he was saying that their practices are obviously intense and tough but there's when they wrestle like there's a certain playfulness in the way they'll wrestle it's like not that they're not going hard but they'll they'll try different things like there's a looseness and a playfulness in how they're drilling and how they're going live wrestling live and 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 that helps it helps if you go in with the attitude it's like I'm just gonna let it go and be and be instead of this tense like I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and do it's like it doesn't work as good if you're more playful and open to possibilities uh -huh. in wrestling and in, I find it on in stand up too like if you go up there loose and but you've done your homework also it's not like you're just going up there with your charisma and no jokes like nice. you're going up there with your jokes but you're going up there with the mindset it's like I'm gonna be playful and I'm gonna set this up this way and then it it it's it's a better result and you feel better about it afterwards. And I almost find being open-minded on stage where like if, if a joke leads you somewhere, let it lead you there and then you can come back to the rest of it or like be open to a flexibility right. and not just word for word. No, I've got to say this. Right. All right. They're laughing too long. I'll just step on it to get this tag yeah. out. Like it's almost being a little more fluid up there, I guess. Right. Fluid and, um, yeah, naturally you'll have more fun. Which takes time as well. Like yes. as a comedian starting out, you're like, I'll just go up and talk. But it's like it takes years of just living on stage right. to have the confidence and the even the awareness to even listen to the audience and be like timing the laugh to like let it live and then kind of jump back in as it's coming back right. down. Like that all takes time to listen to. And it's fun to hear. I mean, I, nine years in, I'm by no means a master. 20 years in you're still like i'm, I'm still learning getting yeah. better and i'm still learning still learning yeah. that's the that's learning. why i love comedy man yeah it's a thing but i think it's a thing in like any field like if uh it was like it's like um carpentry or any of this stuff it's like mm -hmm. you have a skill set but you can always improve to become better like in any field that you're in mm -hmm. and the politics of your field 
are probably much like the politics of this, which is like it's not fair and um, it it can be discouraging. But um, as long as you keep developing your skill set, um, I find that's what's most important. You'll be successful. Like even if you're not a commercial success, people will be able to see you. That's the good thing about what we do. It's like people will be able to see you and be like, that's really good. That's even if it's like for a joke or something like that's mm-hmm. very very good, you know. People will be able to see it even if you get no credit for it. So that's the beauty of it. No one can deny like they can deny you, but you they can't deny what's happening in the room. They can't yes. deny it. So yes, you know. It's a good way to build like everyone can build their own audience now as well. That's I true. I mean, like, yeah, a lot of things have opened up to where these these gatekeepers don't have the power. Andrew Schultz is like a He's a testament to that. He's a guy who went, just you went out and got his audience, and you can do that now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that's not easy to do either. So, but um, that it's available. You know, it's available. And I, I like you also. You're not only focused on getting better on stage, but you focus on getting better off stage. With like you do, you exercise, you right. do meditation and breathing exercises. Like I feel like more comedians could benefit from not only the care on stage, but also off stage. I find if I feel better, if I feel better, yes, I'll perform better. If I feel better, I'll write more effectively. Like I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, if I feel like garbage, and uh, I'm not going to write as as well. So the part of it is just, I mean, it's good to live a healthy lifestyle anyway. But part of it is if I feel good, then everything else will fall. Like I'll write better. I'll be a better. I'll be a better comic. Is overall. Yeah, overall, I'll be better. And your creativity goes up. Like, once you, if you feel better, your creativity will be better mm-hmm. and it'll flow. So it's, uh, but if you feel like garbage all the time, and I, you know, I, I, at least that's the way, the way I feel. Maybe some people are fueled by that, but I'm not. Like, I'm a guy, like, if I feel good, my creativity gets ratcheted up. If I feel terrible, it kills it. So, oh, yeah. I was yeah. just, I was just um, featuring in Chattanooga. And I, I went up, my wife went up with me. I had, I don't even really drink that much, but we were out. I had a beer at noon that night. Both those shows were not great because yeah. I was just like, there was just something off. Right. I'm just, I was just, and I told her, I was like, I'm going to go and bomb tonight. And I didn't like bomb, but it's like, I bombed for me. Like right. in our head, it was like, every show's gone great. Well, you can feel it too. It's like, oh, that made me sluggish. Yeah. That made not, that didn't ruin me or anything. Or didn't make, but it, but sure. it didn't help. It didn't add to anything that yeah. I was doing. So yeah. you learn that after a while too. It's like, oh, I'm not going to day drink then. Like uh, if I have shows, like I'm not going to day drink if I'm working on, if I'm working on something. And it's always good to go up, you know, it's always good to go up with some kind of a plan. Go like I want to, I want to work on this stuff. It doesn't have to be a hard core. This, then this, then this. It's like, I'm going to go up there with a plan, you know, like to work on, I'm going to work on this. Or even if you're not working on jokes, I'm going to work on slowing down. I'm going to work on enjoying myself more. It's like, there's other things to work on. Ooh, that's gold. Gold. You almost develop a skill like one at a time where it is like, okay, I'm going to focus on slowing down this month or I'm going to focus on standing still. I don't do one at a time. I do, I'm going to go up and have a good time, but I want to work on material. So I'm going to go up and, and have a good time. But I also would like to work on this material that's new and not totally formed yet. So I'm going to be playful with it. But as I'm doing that, I'm going to have fun with the crowd. I'm going to have fun. You know, I can always bring it back to jokes if I need to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go up and have, be playful and have fun. Do you find breathing, being remembering to breathe on stage helps with like slowing down and being more playful? remembering breathing but uh, i think i find being in the moment helps okay if you're not so much in your head and you have confidence it's a confidence issue too which i had poor confidence at the beginning but it's uh, um to to sit to sit in the silences sometimes like i had a real issue with that first which is why i was writing so intensely to try to make it so that everything is a laugh and at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's good. But it's also, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, that's because of stage fright. Mm. Really, it's because I, don't, I, I didn't have the, I, I couldn't sit in a silence. So, you know, recognizing that and then, oh, you know, you know working on it between the, jo- but you, you, you're the one controlling it. 
It's not a silence that's not expected. You're leaving space, and then there's a silence, and then you get into the next thing. It's like you're orchestrating it. It's not just happening to you, you know. But even if there, even if it is, it's like even if it does happen to you, then it's like standing strong in the moment and and confidently moving forward. That's something a lot of comics struggle with, especially early on, is standing in that silence. And the silence is tough. Ugh, yeah. It's just yeah, and some people have a great ability to do that and some and and some people don't so it's something to work on but it's not being afraid of it is important so even if um if you were to comics to help work on it is it almost there is a silence and just stand in it even longer than maybe you think you should just to get comfortable in that space no i mean it'll happen naturally okay it'll happen naturally but um also like maybe you you want the silence like or you mm. like you create it you create it and then uh, go into another joke but yeah it, it 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 helps to be in the moment it helps to stay in the moment and not to uh panic some people have good poise yeah. in the moment and some people don't and um you know but even if you don't like you can it's something to work on you can work on it mm-hmm. like i wasn't that i wasn't good and it and i've worked on it and now it's like i'm not I'm not as afraid of it, and uh, I'll even create silences sometimes to uh, to have the next thing pop harder. Oh, how yeah. will you do that? Well, I mean, uh, it just depends. It depends on how the the flow is. It's like you'll t- say something, say something, say something right before the punchline. You'll take a take a small silence and then hit with the punchline, mm-hmm. and and it'll be a bigger pop than if you just ran it together. Boom. Yeah. That little pause. Yeah. All right. Well, this that's is not a- really sitting in a silence. It's more of a pause, but I guess. It I, sometimes, tension, but sometimes you could be too nervous to take that pause, you know? And it's, it's controlling the tempo instead of letting it control you. It's really what I'm trying to say. I probably said it in a very muddled way, but that's really what you're trying to do. <laughs> it's all right, man. It was good. <laughs> I'm beating myself up now. This is over. Get it out of here. Yeah, we're over. This, oh. this is it. In uh, the, the final thing. I um, wanted to ask you, is your most epic uh, bomb story or most epic... Have you ever been booed on stage before? Um, yeah. Or epic, yeah. What's an epic one? There's that? a couple. There's a couple I have. Um, my most recent one mm-hmm. was at a private... Um, oh, gosh. It was a private... It was, for, <laughs> yeah. it was for cops, but it was, it was sa- for like... It was a company that sold bulletproof vests and holsters like not guns but stuff for law enforcement officers and uh, my friend who booked it was trying to tell the guy who's in charge look they have to be seated and they have to be paying attention and you know they everybody has to be seated and paying attention they can't be eating or getting drinks and the guy was like we're fine he wasn't listening and at the end my buddy was like okay either you Either I have to take this the way that he wants to do it or just leave it. And there was money involved, obviously. So he did it and uh, he went up and, and struggled and I went up and just it's because I don't know if it was a bomb, but like there were some people it was a high ceilings. It was in a it was in a club. So people were sitting in this circular thing, but everybody was at the bar having drinks. He didn't <laughs> stop anything. So my jokes were just going and some people would laugh, but I couldn't hear them laugh. And mm. it would just be more talking. So it was, number one, a long period of time I had to do because there were no laughs coming back. And it was brutal. And I got to say, I was fuming. I was really mad. But uh, I said, if that guy, you know, if there was any, whatever. I mean, I, that was not pleasant. It, How and far it was, your it, was, it, was, it was It was recent. It was this it was, past year. Oh, it was this past year? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, it was not good. I was not happy with it. Because... That's kind of, I mean, I'll take a responsibility for a bomb if it's my fault, but, you know, if you set it up for me to fail, like, then that's, I mean, that's not my, that's not on me. You didn't Mm -hmm. set it up correctly. So, but my friend is a good, he knew, he's a good guy, and he tried, but the guy wasn't trying to hear it. It's like, okay, well, I guess we'll just, no one will have a good time then, and we'll take your money. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Like, no one will have a good time, and we'll take your money. Is that what you want? Like, we're trying to do this the best way so everybody wins, but you want to do it so everybody loses. I guess guess everybody will lose then, you know, so...
<laughs> so that's what you want your comedy show to be. Okay, so, yeah. everybody. You want your show to time. everyone to lose because you know more. Like it's <laughs> guys like don't know more. It's always the guys like they call you and they go, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do, dude. We're gonna have an MC, then mm-hmm. we're gonna have a band, and then we're gonna have a comic, and then a band, and then a comic, <laughs> and no one's gonna be sitting down. Everybody's gonna be roaming around and getting cocktails <laughs> and chatting." What do you think? It's like, are you out of your mind? Do you not know how comedy works? You have to tell them how comedy works. Like, they don't yeah. know that you have to sit. It's not music. You have to sit there. You have to pay attention. Food can't be being served. Like, you, you can't have any of that. It's got to be focused. Mm-hmm. And and if it's a problem, make the com- like the comic can do less time. Or don't have a comic. That's also an option. It doesn't sound like you want to have a comic. Oh, no, no, no. We want to have it. But we also want a band. Then um, somebody who juggles. It's like you have to, and then you have to, like the person has to be sitting, focused, and paying attention. Period. Then, yeah, period. All right. Well, Mike Vecchione. This I'm is, sorry I yelled. No, this has been, it's, it was, we worked up to it. Worked You're up very, very soft crescendo. Yeah. But we, we crescendoed into it. Like, yes. like the shows, you know, they, you leave them, leave them laughing, leave them applause. So uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? Um, uh, no, but by my album, the worst kind of thoughtful, the worst kind of thoughtful, the worst kind of thoughtful available on iTunes and, okay. um, if you could follow me on social media at Comic Mike V, I would appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and your podcast. My podcast is no Come disrespect on, on the on, Mike. No disrespect <laughs> on the Gas Digital Network, and available on iTunes and also on YouTube. So no disrespect. All right, Mike Vecchione, thanks for being on Hot Breath, my man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Joel. Did you have fun? Yeah, it was great. You enjoyed it? Yes, we really, um, <laughs> really aired out a lot of things that were inside of me. Hey, that's what we're doing here. We're trying that's to do good. this for four comics by comics, you know? Okay. All right. Well, maybe um, the last thing all the comics do on here is they just look into the camera, let them know who you are and why they should listen to Hot Breath. Um, I'm Mike Vecchione, and you should listen to Hot Breath because we had a very nice uh, conversation about stand-up comedy. So if you're interested in that, you're interested in stand-up comedy, and I'm just one man who's had certain experiences, tune in to Hot Breath. Thank you for having me. All right. All right, Mike Vecchione. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. (sighs) Well, you heard it from Mike V himself. This is a comedy show for comics by comics, for anyone that enjoys speaking and learning about comedy. So if you are that person or you know other people that do fall into that category, let them know this show exists. That is how this show grows, is by you simply sharing. If you appreciate all the hard work that goes into researching these interviews and producing them and posting them and sharing them, if you appreciate all that work, the easiest way to show support back is to really just share this with other comics and comedy fans, whether it is online or whether it is out at a show sharing it is the best way your word of mouth you guys all have a stake in the hot breath of verse we're all part of this together we're all building this together and the easiest and most effective way is honestly word of mouth we've connected with listeners all over the world we have listeners on every continent now except antarctica and it's all because of word of mouth so thank you to all that have shared it thank you to all that are going to share it this week and reach out to Mike and let him know how awesome this episode was. I think my favorite tip he gave was about how to work a non-responsive audience. We've all been at those shows. And this is really something I wish I had starting out in comedy this show. This has really become a tool, I mean, not only for you, the listener, but for me as well. And I just made that mistake last week working a comedy club. Is it a non-responsive audience and I I didn't really get them because I didn't use the tips that Mike shared in this one. I really should have been more persistent. I kind of lost confidence and didn't completely commit. So it's always a good reminder. We all make mistakes, but we all learn from them. And that's uh, failure is the best teacher. So I would really be curious to know what your favorite tips were in this episode and I really genuinely mean that please reach out to me connect with me on social media at Joel Byers comedy or at hot breath pod on all social media or you can go on Facebook 
and join our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group. Hot. It's called the Hot Breath Comedy Network. Listeners from around the world are in there. We're all sharing our favorite content and comedy tips and really just the conversation keeps going over there. So join us over there and we'd love to connect with you and learn what you liked about this episode. In terms of ending this outro, I just want to thank you for your time. I know it's very valuable. Get out there on the comedy grind. But if you do have a spare minute, Maybe uh, checking out the YouTube, subscribing to that would be very helpful. And most helpful, hitting up that Patreon. It's linked in the show notes, but I got a special merch discount code for you there. Also an opportunities for you to get live Q&As with me and also a set review. So go over there, check out all the fun things going on. Show the podcast a little support. This is a lot of work. Clearly... You appreciate it because you're listening this far into the outro. So why not go the extra mile? Join our Patreon. But all that being said, let's get out of here. I end all these outros by thanking my wife for making the theme song. And you know how we do here. Until next Monday, right here on Hot Bread. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.